Welcome to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop, where you'll find the unique, the bizarre, and sometimes the haunted. Feel free to look around, peruse the items, and never fear. There's nothing here that bites. Hard, anyway. <laughs> well, hello there. How enchanting it is to see you return to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. I am your shopkeeper, Chris Baker, and today we have got a very interesting item indeed. It is a brooch, circular in nature, made of a precious metal and encrusted with jewels. This piece is hundreds of years old, and its land of origin is unknown. Now, this brooch might be used to pin up one's cloak, or, as a matter of fact, I've seen it attached to the hilt of a sword. And therein lies today's episode of Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. So let's pull out the mutoscope and take a look at part two of season three of the Netflix series, The Witcher. So The Witcher is a series, I, I've made no bones about it, I've absolutely loved it, uh, but they did something different this season that they did with the last season of Stranger Things, where they broke the season up into two parts, and of course, uh, part one of season three consisted of five episodes, it was re released on June 29th, and here just about a month later, they released the final three episodes of season three, and I don't know what Netflix's uh, do, what the idea is behind doing that. I know some of their metrics are all based on like binge watching. Uh, if people don't binge watch a show all the way through, because generally they release all the episodes at once, uh, and if people don't binge watch from start to finish within you know a certain amount of days of the release, then they consider it a failure or a success. And I, I hate that metric for judging whether a show is good or whether people like a show. I, I think it's stupid. Whoever at Netflix, I mean, there's a lot of reasons for somebody to be punched at Netflix, but whoever came up with that idea for how to gauge the success of a series or a movie should be punched and punched uh, repeatedly about the head, neck, and shoulders, uh, proverbially speaking, of course. Uh, but at any rate, they're doing this with Stranger Things. They did this with The Witcher, and I just don't like it. Just, if you're going to release them all at once, release them all at once. I still don't agree with the metric of analyzing whether people like a series, whether they uh, binge it all at once. Sometimes it's hard as shit for me to get Netflix to even work because there's so many fucking people on it, and Netflix's servers or whatever can't handle the volume of people that you know, shit just doesn't want to play and it just sits there and spins. And don't give me that nonsense about it's my internet. I don't have a problem with any other fucking streaming service except Netflix. So, ipso facto, Netflix is the problem in my mind. But at any rate, I'll get off that soapbox real quick because it's going to get, it, it will get really ugly uh, if you keep me going. My wife has to listen to me rant about Netflix on almost a daily basis. I don't know why she sticks around, why she puts up with me. Uh, she probably agrees with most of what I say about Netflix, so that, that might be my saving grace. But at any rate, uh, they came out with Volume 2 of Season 3 of The Witcher on July the 27th. And, you know, that whole 
P.S. scene they had at the end of episode five where they gave you a trailer of what's to come just had me jacked up and excited about this second half of the season. And I I have to tell you, I wasn't let down because a lot of the stuff we saw in in that trailer happened and happened fantastically. Uh, the problem is it all happened in like the first episode <laughs> because all the cool shit we saw, all the cool shit we were expecting went down in episode six. Then episode seven and eight uh, were just, uh, well, I'll get into that. I'm not going to go into too great a detail into each episode. Uh, I am going to talk about some of the some of the bigger picture things, some of the bigger picture events that I enjoyed or didn't enjoy and talk about it like that. I mean, you know all the characters, although we do get an introduction into some new characters that are going to be uh, kind of front and center, at least in next season or part of next season of The Witcher and in another possible spinoff. And of course, if Blood Origins told us anything about The Witcher universe, uh, spinoffs not based on the books are bound to be a success, right? Anyway, so I'm going to put this out there right now. There are going to be a lot of spoilers for what happens in the the last three episodes of season three as we wrap up Henry Cavill's time with The Witcher. So from here on out, there are going to be spoilers. So if you haven't watched part two of season three of The Witcher, I encourage you to go check it out on Netflix. Binge that shit. I did all in one night. Uh, my ass is still sore from that but go watch that then come back and hear my thoughts and if you've already watched it or you don't give a shit one way or the other uh we're gonna press on but from here on out there are gonna be spoilers so episode six picks up essentially right where episode five left off uh Dijkstra has his blade to the throat of Geralt the Thanid coup is going on at Eretuza and this first episode uh, entitled "Everybody Has a Plan Till They Get Punched in the Face," which is such a fucking great, uh, great line and a great, uh, great title for the episode. But this episode essentially is where you get a lot of those great benchmark scenes, those big scenes that we see in the trailer that we were looking forward to, and some of them play out the way you thought. Uh, some, well, no, I take that back. None of them played out exactly how I thought at all. Uh, you had the scene where you have the uh, mage using the lightning magic, casting it down on these people below and somebody using a shield. And I, I didn't know what to make of that. Who, who was this mage? And to find out it was Tissaia. She finds out that Vilgefortz has, has turned on the Brotherhood, has turned on her, never really loved her, was just using her to, to an end. And she is in the throes of depression and as a last-ditch effort is using this lightning magic to try and essentially destroy anything she sets her eyes on is what it boils down to. And and that was ooh, that was that was a pretty cool event. From the trailer to how it played out in the in the whole scheme of things in the episode, it was pretty badass. I mean, to say it had a lot of badass moments. She had that when the elves show up 
and are trying to take over Eratusa, and the wizards are facing off against them. You have Francesca, Queen of the Elves, and you have her elven archers taking out a lot of these mages, and Tessaia having enough of that shit, and she conjures this ball of whatever energy and goes to shoot it, and Francesca and her husband steps in the way and is just eviscerated, and this viscera just covers Francesca, and she's a, a bloody mess. And then they have this badass scene where she's all covered in blood. Her eyes are all wide. And she starts looking at doors and these doors closing through magic. It had some really cool carry vibes to that. That uh, I just enjoyed that moment. They didn't, they didn't focus on it. They didn't linger on it. They just did it real quick. But it was definitely an homage to Carrie and, and Sissy Spacek and, and that movie. Uh, not to mention the book itself. But especially that movie. And it, it was just a, a wonderful scene. Gory. It was. It had such a cool Stephen King reference. That uh, just one of my favorite moments in the series. But uh, to say a very tragic character in this season of, of The Witcher because this whole time, you know Vilgefortz is a bad guy. They've been leaning on this quite hard for the past three seasons. And at the very end of the first part of the season, you realize that he is the main bad guy of, of this season, the, the mysterious bad guy, and probably going into next season going to be a huge villain. And she is in a relationship with him. And I, I know a lot of people thought that she was in on it with him. I'm like, no, no, she's she's a really good person. Uh, very caring of Yennefer, taking her under her wing. I don't think she realizes he's a bad guy. And then when she finds out that he is the villain, that he is behind all this, that he never really cared for her, she was just a means to an end for him, and the depression she goes into that that makes her you know, want to stop all this with the, the lightning magic, and then ends up killing herself. It, it was such a, a tragedy uh, and a tragic character, and one of many characters that lost their lives in this uh, as we kind of head into a new era for The Witcher with Liam Hemsworth taking over as Geralt in season four. But speaking of, one of the things I thought was going to happen that did not happen, I wasn't the only one that thought this. Uh, I know some other people that, uh, that do reviews and, and things online have, have mentioned this as well, that they thought this big showdown between Geralt and Vilgefortz was going to lead to some injury that they would have to use magic to conjure uh, or, or, you know, changes his face and his appearance would be changed, which to me would have made more sense if this happens at the end of the season. And it did not. It happened in episode six, where you still have a couple more episodes to go. So I was like, well, this isn't going to go out down how I thought it was. Although it did go down very badass. I mean, the fight between Geralt and Vilgefortz was, it went down just as it was a build. It was a huge battle between these two. The lines that Vilgefortz gives uh, the actor's name is escaping me, uh, Mahesa Jadu. Uh, he just does a, a wonderful job 
with the lines where he's talking about how hard it has been for him to hold back uh, when he knows he could defeat anyone uh, as he's been playing this good guy for so long and that he's no longer going to hold back with Geralt. And and the fight scene was well choreographed. It really helped build Vilgefortz as a badass villain, as somebody who should be feared because he was essentially, by the end of it, just toying with Geralt. And he decimated Geralt, broke his back by the end of it, and just left him as a reminder, as a warning, and didn't kill him, but just left him because he could have killed him, but he was just going to leave him a broken man. And to me, that gave this character some menace, that gave this character, this villain, some arrogance that may end up costing him in the end when it's all said and done. Another big set piece or or a big thing that was expected uh, at some point that didn't, I I think I liked how they they did this, but I don't know if I loved it, was the final showdown with Rience, this uh, fire mage who has been giving Geralt, Yennefer, and Ciri such a hard time over the past uh, couple seasons. Uh, They finally do this showdown with him where it's essentially Yennefer and Ciri just happen to be running down a road and he happens to be walking the other way. And it just felt like so unthought out that I was like, ah, okay. But then how they do the end where... Uh, Yennefer's holding Geralt's sword because he had to put it down when he was giving in to Dijkstra, just letting Dijkstra think he had the upper hand and, and letting him take him into captivity. Early on, he he put down his sword. Yennefer found it. She's got it strapped to her back. She says she's going to put it down. She's taking it out of her sheath. And then she flings it towards Rience. And he kind of dodges out of the way. And behind him is Geralt standing there who grabs the sword out of midair and chops off his head. Uh, now, that was pretty cool. Uh, I have to say that I did enjoy that. I just thought the like there was just no care or no thought put into how this scene was set up. Just everybody just happens to be out on that same road. Now, I don't know how exactly it goes down in the books. There, that's, that's one thing. I've never read the books, uh, and I know enough about the books to be dangerous. Uh, know enough about you know how some things go down, some of the bigger picture things, and some of the character things that go down. But I, I don't know everything, how it goes in the books. So I don't know how that exactly plays out in the books. It'd be interesting to see... You know, if it's if it's book accurate, I can't argue with it. But if it was just a matter of they just didn't, uh, well, let's just have them running away on this road and they'll bump into him. And Geralt will just happen to be coming from the same direction that Reance was coming from uh, to, to end up behind him. And, and we'll just have a go down that way. That to me feels lazy. Uh, there again, if it's book accurate, may still be lazy, but I can't complain about it because that's how it was in the book. But ultimately, episode six was so action-packed and sad, had so many big set-piece battles and, and events, and it really felt like a season finale. That felt like the real finale. And then after that, it just it just the it kind of petered out a little bit. Uh, the second episode in this second half of the season, episode seven, out of the fire and into the frying pan. And it was an interesting episode because Siri tried to escape uh, Eratuza. She ends up getting portaled to this desert. 
that borders Nilfgaard, and she's wandering this desert. She ends up finding her way out with the help of of a unicorn, which that was kind of cool. You know, very fantasy element that they put into this but she's having visions of her grandmother having visions of this falca character that we heard about in stories earlier in the season all of these manifestations in her head whether they be real or just her own mind playing games with her is causing her to question those who care about her and you know that can't do well for this character but essentially this episode was just her in this desert and i think you maybe got a couple brief scenes at the beginning and the end with uh, Geralt being treated by the dryads but for the most part it was just siri wandering through this desert and granted beautifully shot the, the desert scapes that they shot were were stunning to look at but it just it got a little boring i'm not going to i'm not going to mince words i'm not going to lie it was it was a little boring i'm like okay where is this going uh, I, I kind of felt like Siri being led by the unicorn. Where where are we going? And when are we going to get there? But at any rate, it wasn't a horrible episode. I'm not saying that. It just felt, pardon the pun, it felt a little dry. Get it? Dry? Desert? Wink, wink. Now the actual finale to the season, the cost of chaos, that's where Tissaia ends up killing herself. Yennefer and what mages are left kind of form this new pact uh, they essentially, Yennefer separates from Geralt again, where, you know, he needs to go save Ciri and Yennefer needs to save the world that for Ciri to live in, essentially is what it boils down to. And it all ties around uh, what is coming next season, uh, where our heroes are going to be battling Vilgeforts and Emperor Amir. You've got Geralt going off with Yaskir and a new character named Milva, who uh, we get introduced to. I, I, I don't know if I care for this character. Uh, it's not the actress so much as it is the way the actress portrays the character. It is very... It just doesn't fit in. She sounds very modern. And, and I think that's one of the problems we had with the Blood Origins series, that some characters were written very much in the style of, of The Witcher, and other characters felt very modern-sounding. I think that's a problem that you have with Wheel of Time. I think that's a problem you had with Rings of Power. It's, it's writers trying to write these characters to sound too modern. Uh, because they don't think anybody in a modern age wants to hear, you know, things that, that aren't like, oh, cool, dude. I'm, I'm, I'm from the 80s. That's modern speak to me. But the Milva character, I just, I'm not sure if I'm going to like this character. Uh, I'm not sure I like how the actress is portraying this character. Like I said, I'm going to reserve the right to, to take that all back and I'll, I'll give this character a shot. Uh, another group of characters I'm not sure how I'm going to like because uh, Siri ends up getting out of the desert and then she gets captured by like these slavers and they're taking her to... I'm not sure if they're taking her to Nilfgaard or if they're taking her to Vilgeforts. Uh, the way I interpreted it, because you find that... Amir introduces Siri and she walks up and it's not Siri at all. It is that girl that Vilgeforts was experimenting on to make her think she is Siri. And you don't know if Amir, I, I know in the books, Amir, he knows right off the bat. 
in the in the series i think they leave it a little ambiguous but there is a certain look when amir looks at her and it almost i i think they're going to play it like the books where he knows Vilgefort sent an imitation essentially so Vilgefort can keep the real Siri for himself the Siri with all the real power uh, but at any rate the slaver has her at this this pub and Siri ends up escaping and killing the slaver her first human she's killed and she meets up with this group of young I don't know if they're supposed to be teenagers or, or young people they're a group that's essentially robbed from the rich kind of the robin hood thing although i don't think they give to the poor we actually met the one girl it's the girl who stole siri's purse earlier in the in the season and and then rode off she she's a part of this group called the rats or or rats whatever and they just seem very young and very i don't know each individual person is their own character and they're very specialized characters and what it is is they're introducing these characters and they're going to do a spin-off series on the rats and i just don't know like i said uh blood origins uh it, it seemed like a good idea until they actually did it and then it really we realized it was a horrible idea uh not, well not a bad idea just horribly done uh, it wasn't that great. It wasn't bad. It wasn't as bad as some people make it out to be, but it wasn't as good as they were hoping it would be. And I think that's going to be a situation with this, especially if you have them writing these characters with that millennial Gen Z sensibility to the writing. Kind of the problem you had with the Willow series. That show was written for the wrong generation because the people who love Willow are Gen Xers. And people they wrote that for were not Gen Xers. And that was a problem you had there. I think you you could have that same problem with this rat series that, that they're planning. There again, I will wait until it actually comes out before I form a judgment, but I, but I worry about it. But Siri falls in with this group, and instead of giving her real name, she calls herself Falca after the character that she was having hallucinations, or, or maybe they weren't hallucinations in the desert. But uh, this... This entity that is trying to manipulate Siri into not believing in the people that care about her, uh, mainly Geralt and Yennefer. So that's where we leave off. And there again, much like the Secret Invasion uh, series, there was no PS scene at the end of this. There's usually a PS scene that kind of gives you a, a hint at what's to come in the next season. That oh my god moment, I can't wait for next season and we didn't get that now i get it because you can't film it with henry cavill because he's not going to be Geralt next season and it'd be awkward to bring in liam hemsworth to record a scene as the ps so i, I get why they didn't do it it just felt like again a little anticlimactic much like the secret invasion series felt a little anticlimactic because there wasn't that oh, I can't wait for that to come moment at the at the very end of it. But we are going to get a season four and season five. Uh, from what I understand, that they are filming those two seasons back to back or, or at the same time, depending on how they, they mishmash things. But uh, they're filming those two because that way, if season four tanks, they'll at least get one more season out of it because there are three more books that they have to cover. They've essentially been doing 
one book uh, a season. Season one was based on uh, stories from Sepkowski's book of short stories on The Witcher. Uh, season two was the, the first actual Witcher novel, Blood of Elves. Uh, season three was based on Time of Contempt. Then you have Baptism by Fire, which I imagine will be season four. Uh, the Tower of the Swallow, which will be season five. And then that'll leave us just one more actual book left, The Lady of the Lake, which would be the last book in the Witcher saga. There is another standalone book after that, but the continuing story that is uh, The Witcher saga, that would wrap that up. Now, who knows? They may kind of combine that in with The Tower of the Swallow or kind of do a mishmash of all three books into season four and five and not necessarily do one book a season. Not exactly sure how they're planning that out, but we are going to get at least season four and season five because they are filming those two seasons kind of back to back. Now, with the writer's strike and the actor's strike going on right now, uh, I don't see any anything uh, moving forward with that. But uh, hopefully, we won't have to wait too terribly long. Hopefully, that whole that whole situation straightens itself out, and and everybody can come to the table and do what's right. Very much in support of the writers and the actors here on this podcast. But uh, but hopefully, like I said, uh, that situation resolves itself soon, and and we can get back to to make wonderful shows like The Witcher and and I have to say as many problems as I had with season three of The Witcher I still liked it and and that's really my biggest barometer for whether uh, I think a show is good or not or a movie is good or not did I enjoy it while I watched it yeah are there things to nitpick certainly were there things I wish they'd done differently yeah but if I enjoyed the experience then I think it's worth watching. And and this ultimately was worth watching. I thought it was good. Yeah, there was a lot of character development. There was a lot of political intrigue in the first few episodes of the first half of the season. Uh, then once you got to the Art of Illusion episode, it got really interesting. And it was, it was a really cool episode, I thought. Or episode six, uh, the first episode in volume two was a badass episode. And then, you know, the rest was all kind of set up for what's to come. Uh, even though they're really not being terribly forthcoming about what's to come because uh, I don't even think they know because I don't even know if the scripts are written yet. And with, with all the turmoil in Hollywood right now, it, it's kind of hard to say. But at any rate, I still enjoyed this. I, I think The Witcher, uh, you know, is never going to be as good as that first season when the magic really hit. Uh, I don't care how their seasons become no one's ever going to love it as much as they love the first season but if at least captures some of that magic and and it can't be all about going and hunting monsters because that's not where this story it's where it started but it's not where it went it may end up there but it's not where you know when you're getting from point a to point d those points in between aren't going to be the same as where it started and it may get back to that when it finishes but they're going to be different people. They're going to be changed people, and they might not. So you you really have to look at it from that standpoint. Yeah, is it going to be different? Yeah, it's got to be different because if we just saw the same thing over and over again, uh, Geralt and Ciri and Yennefer are going and hunting down monsters, it'd be a pretty fucking boring 
series. And I don't want that. I want character development. I want story development. I want uh, things that, that blow my mind and, and visuals that, that are stunning. And I want things that uh, don't necessarily go how I want them to go. Because if, if I want it to go a certain way and it, it, it does that, it may make me happy for a while, but it won't make me think about, well, why did they do it this way? What was the reasoning? And to me, I think that's all the fun of analyzing a movie and talking about a movie or, or a TV series act after the fact is, why did they do it this way and not the way I thought they should? Sometimes I wish I could dig into that a little more with this, but Jesus, I don't want to do, and I, and I don't want to subject you to a three-hour podcast from me. Maybe if we meet up at a bar somewhere, uh, you, we can pick each other's brains on the nuts and bolts and stuff, stuff like that, but uh, but not here. Uh, we just don't have the time. Now, the one thing about this season that I found interesting and that you can kind of uh, glean what is to come in the next season for Geralt. They couldn't really do a goodbye or a farewell to Geralt because the Geralt character is staying even though the Henry Cavill actor is leaving the show. So they really couldn't do like a proper goodbye to Henry Cavill. So I think in lieu of doing that, they kind of brought his character or his time with the character full circle. Now, Geralt and the Witchers in general have usually stayed fairly neutral. Uh, they don't care about the politics and the wars of men and the, the, the boundaries and the borders of this nation or that. They work for whoever pays them the coin to kill monsters. That's kind of been their rule of thumb, a bit of neutrality. And through the first half of the season or the first five episodes of the season, they really made a point to to enforce this and Geralt to be an ass to join this side or that side, Dijkstra or Vilgefortz, whoever's, and he's always stayed neutral. And they kind of played into, of course, the price of chaos. Uh, Tissaia had to to deal with the price of the chaos magic she used with the, the lightning magic and in, in turn taking her own life because of that. And there's a, a price for neutrality as well. You know, Geralt has tried to stay neutral to protect Ciri as best he can, but uh, he can no longer... He can no longer stay neutral uh, in order to protect Siri. He has to pick a side. And that really is kind of where it ended up. And I think that was kind of in, encapsulated in the flashbacks to the Renfrey character. In the first uh, season, he met this character, Renfrey, a princess turned uh, brigand, and ended up having to kill her even though he he liked her he respected her they even there was a, a flirtation and a sexual energy between these two characters but he ended up having to kill her to keep her from killing Stregobor uh, who she had a grudge with and and I will throw this in uh, Stregobor even though he was an asshole uh, he did have a, a cool redemption moment in that whole battle when the elves are attacking Eratusa and he kind of comes comes out of nowhere and just starts blasting some fire magic. Um, you know, he's still an asshole because uh, he's got a beef with the elves and he's like, I, I've been waiting for this moment where he gets to kill some elves. So not, not a complete redemption, but it was kind of a very cool moment. But uh, Geralt, 
killed Renfrey to to save Stregobor, even though the guy didn't deserve it. And in return, or, or because of that, Renfrey had this circular brooch, the one we were kind of talking about in my intro to the episode, and he's kept that with him. You've noticed it on the hilt of his sword is where he's kept it over these past few seasons. And it has always kind of been a reminder of the price that you pay for getting involved in the affairs of men and getting involved in the affairs of of politics and countries and whatnot. So it always just kind of reinforced for him and it was a reminder of him to just stay out of everyone else's business, stay neutral. And he's realizing that he can't stay neutral. And that scene where they're going into Nilfgaard and they have to to pay essentially a toll to, to be allowed in without papers. And he gives the guard that brooch. And Yaskir asks, are you sure you want to do this? Because he knows how much this brooch meant to him, being Renfries and being this reminder of him, uh, for him to, to stay neutral. And he's like, it's okay. And even though at the end he ends up killing all the guards in a, another badass fight scene, uh, it was nice to see Geralt and Henry Cavill getting a, another great choreographed fight scene to end his time with the Witcher. But uh, he he could have got that thing back. He could have got that brooch back. It was just laying there, but he walks off without it. And again, that is a, a symbol that the gloves are off for Geralt. He's no longer staying neutral. He's picking a side, and that is the side of Ciri and the hell that he is going to rain down on whoever, whatever person, whatever country it takes to, to get her back. He's picking a side. Uh, essentially is what that boiled down to. And I thought that was a really interesting full circle for the Henry Cavill played version of Geralt. It's it's ended kind of back where he started, only he's he's gone through so much that his his ideas and his ideals are much different from where he was when when he first had that run in with Renfrey and, and had to kill her and and had that brooch and now he's leaving leaving the past behind him essentially and a new start for the character in the story and in season four we'll get a new start with a, a new actor uh, portraying this character. And one other thing uh, I want to talk about before we wrap this up uh, that we can look forward to, and I'm, I'm really interested to seeing how this plays out in the, the next couple seasons. And, and I kind of called it, uh, it, it wasn't a tough call because they really were hinting at Kahir doing a, a bit of a face term uh, for all you wrestling fans out there that know that terminology, but turning uh, turning to a good guy. And he had that moment. It did kind of feel a little out of the blue, though. I thought they would have had a little more setup. That's why I think you know, some of the things that went on felt a little a little rushed, a little, you know, reince that, that big battle with him just felt like they kind of, well, let's just put them together right here on this road. It's kind of how it felt with Kahir uh, pledging. And now I know in the books that he actually, like, loves, is fallen in love with Siri. Uh, I don't know as if they're playing into that, but he has uh, committed his life to Siri and and has turned into a good guy? Maybe? Uh, I, I don't know. With this character, it's it's kind of tough. And not knowing the books as well as I'd like to, it's not, I'm not sure where it's going with this, but he uh, has the scene where he professes his allegiance to Siri and he goes to protect her from the elves uh, as, as they're 
they're coming and, and gives her and Geralt, Siri and Geralt, some time to escape. But I'm really interested to see how this plays out in the next couple of seasons. Is he on the up and up with his devotion to Siri? How is that going to play out with Emir? You know, Emir has taken him back into his good graces. And now when he finds he's betrayed him again, how is he going to react to that? How is that all going to play out for this character in the end? So I'm really interested to see how all that uh, plays out in season four and five. But yeah, like I said, ultimately, I did enjoy season three, and I'm looking forward to seeing what season four brings. I know everyone's pissed off Henry Cavill is leaving, but that was his choice. And Liam Hemsworth, you know, it's not his fault. Hopefully he does an adequate job. I know everyone's saying that he's knocking it out of the park, or he's going to knock it out of the park. You know, they're going to say that, but... but I'm going to give him every opportunity to to blow me away as Geralt. And hopefully he does because I really I love this series and I enjoy it so much. And while I enjoy Henry Cavill as, as Geralt, uh, there again, it's beyond anyone's control. And I know you're sitting there saying, well, why doesn't, why don't they just, uh, you know, tell Liam Hemsworth that they're going to go back to Henry Cavill? Well, Henry Cavill doesn't want to come back to this, I don't think. For whatever conspiracy theory reason you hear on some other places, uh, he wants to do other things. Warhammer uh, is one of those things that he is emblazonly impassioned about, and he's all in on that. So, even if he wanted to, I, I don't think he would come back because he wants to do that uh, Warhammer series. And that's where his focus is right now. So Liam Hemsworth's what you got. And hopefully he does a great job. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing and giving him the opportunity to. So I want to thank everyone for listening to my thoughts on the second half, volume two of season three of The Witcher on Netflix. I enjoyed it. Like I said, it, it wasn't perfect, but it had a lot of really good points and a lot of really bright spots that made it an enjoyable season and makes me look forward to season four, even if Henry Cavill's not going to be uh, Geralt of Rivia in it again. So want to thank everyone for listening to me uh, wax whatever on on the witcher uh hopefully you enjoyed it as much as i did uh, check out more about what's going on with odds bodkins curiosity shop on facebook and on instagram we're always posting articles and and trailers uh adding my two cents other stuff as well memes uh birthdays uh holidays all that shit uh we're talking about it on those two uh to social media platforms and matter whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on please subscribe to it like it follow it whatever you got to do to stay in the know and stay linked with us and connected to us as well as sharing this podcast with anyone you know that loves horror fantasy and science fiction please do that and leave those reviews five stars would be awesome but whatever review you leave we do appreciate that so until next time Thank you for visiting Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. We hope that you found something to your liking and visit the shop again soon. But even though you may come back, you never really get to leave Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. Ha 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 ha!